We would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. 2 Timothy, the third chapter, verses 1 through 5 is where we're going to anchor today. And then also chapter 3, verse 13. So chapter 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, and then verse 13 is where we're going to anchor. And we have been going through a series these last few uh, weeks called This is Church. And we've kind of broke it down to the different areas that, that uh, church is supposed to be. And today we're going to be talking about This is Church no compromise. There should be no compromise in church. There should be no compromise in our message. There should be no compromise of this book. Um, This book is not up for debate whether the truth in it is real or not. It is the word of God spoken to us. The Bible says that it was men who were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which means God-led, that wrote these words. These are God-breathed. The word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it, it pierces more than just the mind. It goes to the very marrow, the very soul of who we are, and that's what I'm, I'm praying for today. I, I've shared many, many times that, that the word can be a couple of different things. It can, it can be mishandled by people. Uh, I've sat in services and been hacked to bits by it, uh, and I've never wanted to be. I've always asked God, "Don't make me, a, you know, make me a surgeon with Your Word. Don't let me be a lumberjack. I don't want to. I don't want to hack people to bits. I, I want there to be healing taking place. I, and sometimes to heal, we have to hurt. Sometimes hurts have to be opened up, and things have to be revealed into us. And the Word brings to light the things in us that are not like Jesus. Now, uh, I do desire your prayers today. I'm battling a sinus infection. So I don't have the plague. It is a doctor-certified sinus infection. So I am on steroids, and um, <clears throat> and as our associate pastor Dwayne termed it, I have roid rage right now. Um, I don't do too good on steroids. Steroids make me want to punch a wall. Um, I, I don't know what it is about those, but so I, I am. Uh, I, I've got those in my body right now, dealing with this sinus infection. So you pray for me. But uh, we're going to get through this today because God has something to say to us about what it means to live a life that is uncompromised, uncompromised in our theology or our doctrine, uncompromised in our prayer life, and uncompromised in our mission. We should be about our Father's business. We should be modeling our lives after the image and the work of Jesus. And I'm telling you that if you're wondering why we're not seeing miracles and signs and wonders to the level of the early church, I believe that one of the things that is plaguing us is a compromised walk, a compromised walk, that we are not walking close to God the way that we ought to. We, we, are, we are basing everything experientially sometimes of if I feel it, if I feel it, then I know it's God. Sometimes you got to have faith when feeling's not there. Uh, sometimes I wake up and I don't feel like a Christian, anybody. Sometimes I wake up on steroids and I don't feel like a Christian. You hear what I'm saying? Sometimes, uh, you know, things don't go my way during the day and I don't feel like a Christian. But that doesn't mean that I'm not. It just means I have to have faith that God did a work in my life and that it's an ongoing work in my life. And I'm not perfect and you're not perfect, but God is working on me. Anybody he's still working on today, just anybody want to praise him a little bit for working on you? Amen. Let's dive into this. The world in which we live is corrupt and dirty. 
Almost on, on all segments of society, there is corruption on some level. Every, uh, it seems like everywhere we look, some, some good things like even our school systems have things of the world creeping in, marriage, uh, things of the world, uh, dress, music, religion, business is even corrupt. Uh, there are, you know, we all know politics is corrupt. Uh, there are things that, are, that seem to be being compromised every day. Unfortunately, that has not left the church untouched. The church has been compromised in many ways by the world and its thinking. And I believe that what we see happening is a move of God that is saying enough is enough. If you really want an outpouring of my spirit, if you really want to see a move of my hand, then you're going to have to walk an uncompromised life. You're going to have to live an uncompromised life. This idea that boys will be boys and girls will be girls and live your life and then you'll eventually come back is a very dangerous theology that has creeped into the minds and the hearts of people. And I'm here to tell you, you may not make it back. You may not make it back before the Lord calls you home. We need to live as close to the fire as we can. Amen. We need to be as on fire for God as we can, as much as we can, all the time that we can. We need to be anchored in him. That brings me to our anchor verse in 2 Timothy. This is Paul's letter to Timothy as he's encouraging him in his ministry. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, talking about godless days in our world. He says, but understand this, that in the last days there will be will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slanderous without self-control brutal not loving treacherous reckless swollen with conceit lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of god having the appearance of godliness but denying the power its power avoid such people and then verse 13 says while evil people And imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. He's saying, look out, Timothy, because as the last days come upon us, there is going to be a compromise that fills the hearts and the minds of people like never before. Now, I want to share with you some thoughts that I have concerning the last days. Um, I'm reading a great book by John Eldridge. And it's dealing with some different things. And I just happened to read this chapter because, like I said, I'm on steroids, so I stayed up a little later because I was hyped up. And so I read a little bit more than I normally do uh, before I go to sleep. And as I was reading this chapter, he was talking about this part of the chapter was entitled, There is Going to Be No Zombie Apocalypse. I know that lets some of you people down. But, there were, you know, we think of the last days as things are going to be so horrible and then Jesus is going to come. But Jesus did not back that up with his teaching. What Jesus said is things are going to look good when Jesus comes. Things are going to look the best they've ever looked. In other words, people are going to be prosperous. Things are going to be going well. Things are going to, why? He says, as in the days of Noah, they were what? Partying. You don't have a party when there's a zombie apocalypse. You don't have a party when all the world is crumbled around you. You say, well, doesn't the scripture say that it's going to all fall apart? That's after the church is raptured away, my friend. That's after the church exits this world. I'm telling you, what is the opposing force to Satan and hell's gates? It's the church of the living God. Don't mock it. Don't make fun of it. Be a part of it because it's the only thing holding back hell from dominating this world. It's the only thing holding it back. I shared with you in the very first message, there is a plan. God has plan A. It's the church. There is no plan B. And as, as, as messed up as church can be, it's what we got to work with. As messed up as it can be, you know why it's messed up? Because it's got me in it. 
You know why it's messed up? Look at somebody beside you because it's got you in it. Come on, just tell them. It's messed up because it's got you in it. All of us are human beings full of error, but aren't you thankful? We have been washed in the blood of Jesus, and we have been made a part of his forever family. And because of that, we are part of the opposing force to hell. Amen. And you and I are a buffer between hell having its heyday. And when the rapture takes place, that's, that force is removed and the devil has his way on this earth for a while, for a while. What are you saying? When Jesus comes back, he will come as a thief in the night. Amen. A thief in the night. I, 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 I've never had a thief announce that they're coming to my house. Amen. We were robbed here at the church a few years ago, and they did not leave me a note saying, hey, while you take campers to youth camp, we're going to come and rob the church. Love thieves, you know, <laughs> the thieves. No, they came in without us knowing it, and guess what? We discovered what they had done after the, the theft had taken place. In other words, Jesus says he's going to appear as a thief in the night. He's not going to announce his coming, and when he comes, it's going to take this world by surprise, and I believe it's going to take the church by surprise. Why? Because I'm here to tell you, yes, we can know the signs of his coming, but no man knows the hour or the day that he will come. And I believe with all my heart, it's going to be as in the days of Noah. People are going to be celebrating. People are going to be partying. People are going to be carrying on just as they've always carried on. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a trumpet's going to pierce. The noise of this world is going to be blind. Uh, drowned it out and the dead in Christ shall rise and then those of us that remain I'm just preaching the scripture will be caught in a moment changed in the twinkling of an eye and we will go to be forever with the Lord that day is approaching Amen. and the church doesn't preach about the day of the Lord enough this is church and I'm going to tell you something he's not coming back for as a compromised church Unfortunately, the Sunday after the rapture, some churches will still be full. Unfortunately, the Sunday after the rapture, some pulpits will still have preachers occupying. We live in a compromised world, and the church cannot compromise anymore. I want you to know something. How many of you know somebody right now that needs a miracle? I'm not talking about just to get feel better. I'm talking about they need a miracle. They need God to do for them something nobody else can do. You know somebody that's got an addiction that only God can break. They've been in and out of rehab, and that hasn't done the trick. They need a divine moving of the Holy Spirit in their life to break that addiction in their life. How many of you know somebody that's suffering from a sickness that they went through every treatment that they could go through? They've done everything. You see, I think of the woman with the issue of blood. She said, I spent all I have on doctors and I've done everything I know to do. When you get to that place, you're in need of something only God can give. And I'm here to tell you, church, we can still see God do those things, but it's not going to happen with a compromised belief. Amen. It's not going to happen with a compromised church. So Paul gives a description to Timothy and he says, you need to understand this, that in the last days there will come difficult times. Why? What times is he talking about? He's talking about the spirit of compromise. Living right will become more difficult. Why? Because the lines of right and wrong have been blurred. By who? By the churches of this world. By the message, a popular message instead of the truth. 
Folks, if we're not careful, we'll listen to what pleases us and we'll go to what pleases us. I'm gonna tell you, if your toes never get stepped on and you're, in, you're not in the right church. Now, if your toes always get stepped on, you're not in the right church. Amen. I like what a, a mentor in my life, Bubba Carden, Dr. Bub, says. He says, there needs to be meat, but there always needs to be milk in the house. Amen. Always need some milk and some Oreos. Amen. Maybe that's our new T-shirt. We got Oreos. I don't know. People will be lovers of their sales, lovers of money, proud, arrogant. And he goes on and he describes our world, does he not? He describes what's going on. He says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, there are imposters that are, are not real. I'm telling you, they don't hold the power of God. He says, having a form of godliness, but they have no power. They're powerless. I want you to know the church can't have a form of godliness and go without power any longer. I want power. How about you? I want the power of the living God to flow and to move and to work. I want to see people touched by the Spirit of God. Why does God do miracles? It's not so that he can just make them feel better. It's so that there's an opportunity to share the miracle that is the greatest miracle of all, and that is Jesus can wash your sins away. Jesus can make you whole. Jesus can sanctify your heart. Jesus can fill you with his Holy Spirit. You can walk in the Spirit and live a holy life, a different life. So as children, we can make a difference by taking an an uncompromising stand for the truth and for righteousness, like Enoch, like Noah, like Daniel and his friends, like Joseph and Josiah, Deborah and Ruth and Esther and Israel and Isaiah and Jeremiah, they stood for the truth and the righteousness of the Lord, and the Lord stood for them. We today can stand for the truth no matter how corrupt our society is, no matter how corrupt the world is and the thinking of this world, we can stand a set apart, amen, because Jesus said, you're in this world, but you're not to be of this world. You're supposed to be something different. You're supposed to bring spice to this world. What do you mean? He said, you are the salt of the earth. You're supposed to bring flavor to the world around you, but not flavor so the world can say, hey, that's great. I'll just add it to my regimen of sin. Flavor that people look at you and say, what is it in your life that is different from my life? I want it in me. I'm here to tell you, this. when's the last time someone questioned you? and said, what is in you that's not in me? What is in you that is not in me? Number one, a command to live an uncompromising life. The Lord is calling and encouraging every true child of God to live an uncompromised life. He's calling the church to an uncompromised life. Temptation will come to you and, and, and it'll come to me. It always does. That's what the devil's good at. But guess what? We can find the power through Christ to say no to temptation. If Joseph did it without the grace of Jesus, how can we say that we cannot when we have all the grace and mercy of God to empower us? Oh, my goodness. Daniel and his friends said no to temptation, and they kept saying no even when they were thrown in the fiery furnace. Oh, my goodness. 
If we are going to overcome and retain the presence of God with us, we must learn to say no to evil and keep on saying no to evil. Guess what? We cannot, as the scripture describes, create an occasion to sin. Some of us are prepping for sin. If we're not careful, we're going to help prep our kids for sin. In other words, you do this just in case you mess up. Don't mess up. Get strong in the Lord. Get them in an altar. Tell them to be open in your conversations with them. Listen, folks, do not create. Don't make sin easy oh my goodness don't make it easy be uncompromised in your truth the problem today is many children of God is that they want to please the world instead of pleasing God 2 Corinthians 6 14 through 18 says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what part I told you this wasn't an easy one For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Baal? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling dwelling among, among them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their, from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. And do not, do not touch the unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Almighty Lord. Guess what? There is more to being a son and daughter than just claiming I had an experience. There is more than that. It means I am pursuing to be a son. I'm pursuing to be a daughter. That I'm not wanting to be like I used to. God set me free from that. I don't want to return to that. He's saying let go of that yoke. Don't be joined together with those who pull you in their direction. Now, I I want you to understand my teaching on this this morning. I'm not saying you don't have any friends that are saying, because that means you wouldn't have any friends. (laughs) And how are we going to show people Jesus if we're not friends with them? So I'm not telling you to say, okay, if you're not a Christian, I ain't talking to you no more. No. What I'm saying is, is we need to heed the scripture. If that person's yoke, if we're joined with them in a friendship or a relationship and they're pulling us opposite of God, then we need to sever that. Amen. Amen. Some of us need to cut some relationships in our life that are drawing us into a life of sin. And we're not being light. We're not being salt. We're not affecting them for the gospel. We are being affected by the world. We're either affecting them with the gospel or we're being infected with sin. You follow what I'm saying? Compromise compromise well I'll just I'll just go to the party and I'll hold the beer but I won't drink it told you I'm gonna get rough today I'll look like the world I'll talk like the world I'll act like the world but God you know I love you come here Jacob This is Jesus. He got promoted. (laughs) You've pastored to Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You love me, Jesus? I'm so glad you do. I'm going to walk with you. You you asked me to. I'm going to walk with you. I am yours. I am yours. 
you know what? I'm going to church today. You going with me, Jesus? Absolutely. Awesome. I'm already you, there. You're already there? That's great. <laughs> Pastor said that. I just didn't get it. <laughs> so I'm walking with Jesus. You walking with Jesus? Me and Jesus, man, we tight. We good. We in church. Man, I worship you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. Lord, I, I'm singing louder than anybody else in this church, Jesus. And even though I don't sing good, you said make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I'm doing that. Now it's time to go to school, Jesus. You going to go with me? Absolutely. All right, let's go. Well, you know what, Jesus? There's a group of friends over here that I don't know if, I, don't, I think they would make you uncomfortable. So if you'll just wait here. I'm going to go hang out, and I'll pick you up on the way out of the door. Because some of the things they do, I'm not doing them, but you wouldn't be comfortable with it. And I've found a way to be comfortable with it because I'm going to be your light. But you stay over there now. But what I don't understand is how can I reflect the light if I'm separated from it? Because I'm not the light of the world. He's the light of the world. He's the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. I'm a reflection of that light. And if I can't reflect that light when it's, I can't reflect that light when I'm separated from it. What fellowship does darkness and light have together? I'm going to preach. Maybe your last visit to harvest today, but you won't be able to stand before God and say you didn't hear it. Because I love you. But I'm ready to see the book of Acts being lived out in the church. How about you? Yes. All right. I'm done with them. That's what, Jesus? It's Wednesday. Let's go to youth group. You ready to go to youth group? Absolutely. Amen. I think Maddie's got a good one today. I think Adam's got the heat coming. Woo! Praise team's on point. Me and Jesus, we were good. Mm. I love Jesus. I love you, man. Love you too. Let's go to church. You know what? We're done with church. We got some of us Christian friends. We're going to go hang out, right? That's what? Come on, Jesus. Wait a minute. What are we going to do, y'all? We're going to watch a movie? Is that what we're going to do? That's awesome. This movie ain't too good. Jesus, I'm going to ask you to wait in the car. Because some things in this movie, I can handle them, but you can't. They're not going to tempt me because I know where you're at. They're not going to create lust in my life. They're not going to make me crave the world. Look, I'm talking to the adults in this room too. Because we leave Jesus out of our parties also. But we want the wonder-working power of God to move. But yet we separate ourselves from that power. Folks, if we really want to see the moving of God like we've never seen it before, I'm not ready to pack up a bus and go to Asbury to get the same God that is already here. I'm thankful for what he's doing there, but the same God that's there is right here. And what is the difference? I'm going to tell you the difference. I've been studying this thing. You know what this group of young people, why they're experiencing God the way they're experiencing God is because they have decided that compromise has to leave their lives. 
that if they keep on compromising, they're never truly going to experience what the Bible says the church should be experiencing. We need a move of God. We need the power of God. We need the presence of God. But I need God to be arm in arm with me. I need to be walking with him on a daily basis. And when the world tries to pull me away, say no. No. No compromise. No compromise in my life. Adults, no compromise in our lives. Why do our kids compromise? Because they see their parents compromise. Why do kids compromise? Because they see adults that they look up to compromise. You can't lead where you're not willing to go. And you can't expect others to live like they're not willing to live. I want him. I don't want to spoil the chosen for you, but the season finale of three was incredible. But there was one prayer in it. Don't let go of me. He's never going to let go. It's us that does the letting go. It's me that walks away. It's me that says, no, no, not today, but I know where you're at when I need you. Things are going good right now, and I got it. I got my life. Things are great right now. Kids are all not possessed. Work's going good. Marriage is doing good. Everything's great right now. I don't really need you. But I know where you're at when I do. I'm just going to keep you there. And I'm going to live my life. But when things fall apart, when I sit at the doctor and I get the wrong diagnosis, oh, you better come on back in the picture now. I lose my job. You better come on in the picture now. I need you. And we use him and then we lose him at our convenience. But we don't. Then we get in and we expect a miracle every time. This isn't even in the notes. My notes. It's in God's. Thank you. You, you can have a seat, Jesus. Don't go far. Because I, I, need, I need him. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the living God. Do you realize this morning that the God that could do anything, anytime, anywhere that he wants chooses to dwell within you and me? Do I act like he does? This, everybody do this. This, say it, this is church I won't get through this today Ephesians 5 1 2 therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God be an example of an uncompromising Christian Enoch Noah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Joseph, 
Josiah and many other children of God in the Bible were examples to us as they were uncompromising in their days. Despite the opposition and the persecutions that came their way, they didn't give in and they didn't cave in. They stood their ground for God. They stood their ground for the Lord and they saw amazing things happen because of it. We stand for God, uncompromising in a corrupt society. He too will stand for us. My prayer is that the Lord will give you and me the grace and the strength to stand for him. When there is no strength left in us, his strength is made perfect. I want you to understand today, God needs to give us the strength to stand. There are 50 signs of an uncompromising church I'm going to share with you today. 50 of them. You ready? We're going to go through these quick, and I'm going to try not to preach on each one, or we'll be here all day. An uncompromising church, 50 signs. They do not conform to the things of this world. Their number one goal is to be like Jesus. Number two, they love the Lord, their God, with all their heart, soul, mind, strength. Number three, they strive to separate themselves from the ungodliness of this world and the things of this world that would taint their walk with God. Number four, they do not watch worldly things and not inviting lustful thoughts and evil into their lives. They avoid pornography. They avoid things that are unpleasing to God. They're not afraid to get up and walk out of the theater even if they paid $30 for a ticket. When the Holy Ghost is grieved in their hearts. Mm. They do not partner with unbelievers and compromise their walk for Jesus for any reason. They display Christ-likeness in their thoughts, lives, and attitudes. Number seven, they humble and have a childlike faith. They humble themselves and have a childlike faith. Number eight, they refuse to be lukewarm in a world full of lukewarmness. I want you to know something. I love coffee, but you can keep your iced coffee. I like mine popping hot. I don't know about you, but if I get a swig of cold coffee or lukewarm coffee, it ain't staying there long. I'm going to politely go. I don't like it. Like it hot. So did God. He said, I'd rather have you hot or cold. They refuse lukewarmness, having one foot in God's word and the other foot in the world. They seek to please the Lord through good deeds and having a servant's heart. They're not afraid to serve in any area. They jump in and they help. They know that financial gain does not mean that they are living a godly life. You can have all the money in the world and still go to hell. That doesn't mean God's sinners are blessed. If it rains and the crops grow, does everybody get eat? Christians and sinners? That's what the Bible says. Number 11, they seek first the kingdom of God, not worldly wealth or possessions. Number 12, they'd rather suffer and be poor and not compromise with the world than to be rich and famous. They, have, they are generous, number 13, and givers of their time and of their money. Number 14, they are surrendering all to the fellowship of Jesus and following him, taking up their cross on a daily basis, not a once and done idea. Number 15, they stop practicing sin. They don't make an open practice of sin. They don't make an opportunity of sin. They do, uh, if they do sin, there's a deep sorrow that comes over their lives and they say, God, please cleanse me. Number 16, they speak out and warn people of God's coming judgment upon this world. They preach the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean everybody's called to be a preacher, but you are called to live out the gospel. And if you have a friend, eventually you need to have a conversation with them as the Lord leads. 
There's too many people that say, I don't want to talk to them about it. I'm afraid I will offend them. What's more, how much you hate somebody not to, to say, you know what, I don't want to offend you because, you know, uh, you might go to hell, but I, at least I want to offend you. Hmm. Number 17, they suffer persecution and beatings and stand up uh, st for standing up for Jesus. This is happening all over the world even now. People being persecuted physically. Number 18, they love and do good to fellow Christians. Number eight, 19, they obey God's command, his word, and the Lord Jesus Christ. They are followers of the spirit. Number 20, they are doers of the word, not merely just hearers of the word. Faith without works is dead, James declares. Number 21, they fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Number 22, they do not seek the approval of man, but they seek the approval of God. I'm not here to get your amens this morning. I'm here that the heavens will say, well done one day. That's what I'm here for. How about you? Number 22, they do not seek, or they don't seek the approval of men. Number 23, they are not hypocrites giving God mere lip service. That's what I just illustrated. Their words and their speech are encouraging, edifying, and wise, and not corrupt. They pray fervent prayers and pray often with fellow believers. They study, number 26, and teach God's word and his ways to sinners and unbelievers and, believers, uh, and make disciples of those who do not know Jesus. Number 27, they are winning their battles against sin and keeping the full armor of God on, knowing that there's not a day that the devil takes off. Not, the devil don't get up one day and say, you know what, I'm too tired to fight the field today. I'm just going to take the day off. You wish he would, and I do too, but he don't. Number 28, they are ready, waiting, and eager, anticipating the soon return of Jesus. I want you to understand something. I don't think the church is homesick for home like they need to be. Oh, God, help us to get homesick for heaven again. Help us to get homesick for a better way, a better life that is coming one day. God, give us that homesickness. Number 29, they love God's commandments and his word ready, are reading it daily and memorizing it, that his word is in their hearts, not just their heads. They make use of every opportunity, number 30, to do good and to preach the gospel to everyone that will hear it. In other words, they're fire starters, not fire snatchers. I want to be a fire starter for God. How about you? In other words, I want to start a fire in the conversation with people. I want them to crave what the Lord has in my life. Number 31, they produce fruit, and that fruit remains. Number 32, they are co-heirs with Christ and suffer, share the sufferings of Jesus by crucifying their flesh every day. That means saying no to the flesh and yes to the Spirit. That's, that's a daily thing. That's a daily thing. In other words, your flesh may say, you know what, I'd like to just slap them. And the Spirit says, walk away. Walk away. Number 33, they understand God's eternal purpose for his holy people versus the temporal evil of this world. This world, the evil is temporary here. It's one day going to be eradicated. It's one day going to be gone. You need to get a hold of what's coming. And what's coming is not a world of compromise, but a world where Christ is in charge of all things. I'm telling you, you think it's going to be boring. It's going to be the most exciting thing you've ever been a part of when you get to that day. Number 34, they know that they are merely passing through this world and that their real home is with the Lord. Amen. This world's temporary. This is temporary. Our real home is with the, with where the Lord is. 
Number 35, they do everything for the glory of God. I want everything in my life to lift up the name of God. I want everything to lift up Christ. How about you? Everything. Number 36, they do not believe false teachings and anything that is contrary to the word of God. They don't compromise what they believe because there's a little bit of good in it. That's what's getting us in trouble is we'll take a lot of the corrupt teachings that's in this world because there's a few little things that they said that were awesome. That's how the devil works, by the way. They clearly understand the gospel and clearly preach the word with boldness to the world around them. They, are, they let their light shine no matter where they're at. They do not have their light surrounded by the darkness of this world, but instead they illuminate the darkness by the light that is reflected in them. Number 39, they do not put their confidence in the flesh, but they are decreasing so that Christ may increase in their life. That was one of the most powerful prayers John the Baptist ever prayed. I must decrease so that he may increase. They have integrity, number 40. They, they have integrity. They work harder than anybody else. They pursue obedience and righteousness in their life, and they do not lie, steal, or cheat. Number 41, they always are very thankful to God for his kindness, provision, and perfection. Aren't you thankful for that? Oh, my goodness. Number 42, they are not, uh, not full of selfish ambition, strife, quarreling, or jealousy, but they are peacemakers. In other words, when the Bible says blessed are the peacemakers, you already know this, it translates blessed are the problem solvers. In other words, there's a problem at work. Don't be part of the problem. Be part of the solution. Blessed are the peacemakers. Give you an opportunity to share Jesus. I love this one. They acknowledge and obey God's will for their lives. They acknowledge and obey God's will for their lives. They are not prejudiced. They show no partiality to the rich, the poor, or any color or race. They love everybody the way that God commanded we should love everybody. Aren't you thankful to be a part of a forever family? Aren't you thankful for that? They are willing to do whatever it takes to win a soul for Jesus. They follow biblical examples of Christ in conflict situations. The word of God is a lamp unto their lead, a light their feet, a light unto their path. And, and, the, and, and guess what? A path at all times, not just some of the time. And then number 50, they love God and they love people. This is church. Will you stand? Last point I want to share with you is that extraordinary power comes for uncompromising Christians. The Lord gives exceptional power to the Christians who stand un uncompromisingly for him. We can see this from the lives of Joseph, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and countless others throughout Scripture. He gives them power. Let's look at a few of these things. Power for progress, power for prominence, power for prayer, power for his presence, power for his pres pres preservation, power of promotion, power of partnership, power of provision, power over devils, power for success, power for the kingdom to move forward on this earth. I'm here to tell you, God is asking, will you be an uncompromising church? Well, you stand up and say, no, enough is enough. I need power in my family. Some of us need some miracles in our families. 
My question is, are we examining where we're at in our walk? And is there compromise there? I told you, it has to get through me to get to you. As good old Jimbo said, got to look where the wheels come off, brother, don't we? And that's resonated in my spirit. And that's what I'm talking about. Where have I compromised? Where have I let up? Let me share this with you, and this is a teaching I haven't shared in a long time, but we got a lot of new faces. When's the last time you had a great breakthrough with God? When's the last time? If you're in a dry season with God, you're in a, anybody ever been there? Feeling like your prayers went nowhere, you feel like you don't feel his presence like you used to, and you're just in a dry place. I'm going to tell you something that I began to find out a long time ago, that when I find myself in a dry season in my walk with God, I go back to the last time I heard him speak to me. The last time he spoke a word into my life. And I ask myself a simple question, did I obey? The Bible says that when the devil was tempting Jesus, and he said, if you're really the son of God, make these stones into bread. Jesus replies to him, man will not live by bread alone, but out of every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That word proceeds in the Greek is present tense continuous, which means it's for that moment, but it continues on. It's a proceeding word. It's constant word. God doesn't ever hush. He is constantly speaking. Did you know that? He's constantly speaking to us. Well, I don't hear him. Go back to the last time you did. Because if there's not a preceding word coming forth into your life, it's because probably you didn't obey the last time he spoke to you. Because when God speaks something, it's not for entertainment. It's not for a shiver up your spine. It's not for a shout. It's for obedience. And maybe the last time God spoke to you is to go to somebody and ask for forgiveness and you didn't do it. You just said, okay, God, I forgive them, but you didn't physically go do it and you're in a barrier there's a barrier there till you obey and I found that when I go back to that last moment when God truly spoke to me and I ask myself that question most of the time it's been my lack of obedience and then when I go back and I obey man the windows of heaven just pour out all of a sudden I'm hearing God like I haven't heard him in a long long time why because I have removed the barrier that has held back his voice from saying anymore. Why? Because he's going to go back and he's going to keep telling me that same thing till I obey. The things of God are repetitive. Did you know that? They really are. God will repeat himself over and over and over again till you obey. Till you obey. I'm going to ask for our intercessors to come and just stand here because they're going to pray with those who want to pray this morning. But I've got a special altar call. And look, if you sit at your seat, I'm going to feel like we've grieved the Holy Spirit. I really am. But today, I'm calling on those who are ready to say no compromise. That doesn't mean that you're going to walk out of here perfect. That just means you're making up your mind. You're ready for fellowship with God like you've not had it in your life. You're ready to stand like you've never stood before. You're ready that your life is going to be the reflection of his life. And that we're not going to leave Jesus in the car when we go to work or at school. We're not going to leave Jesus hanging and say, I'll pick you up when it's time for church. 
But Lord, I'm going to live you every day. And I'm going to be arm in arm with you every day. And I'm going to walk with you. And Lord, when I start to walk and lead you, you're going to pull me away because I'm not leading you. You're leading me. And if that's you, I want you to start to find your way to this altar right now. No compromise. Come on, no compromise. Come on, there's, God's dealing with some of us right now. I'm telling you, you want power? This is how you get power in your life. You want breakthrough in your family? This is how you get breakthrough in your family. You want a move of God? This is how you get a move of God. You want revival? You don't want to just look and read about it up in Kentucky? You want it right here in Chattooga County? This is how you get it. But you've got to want it. You've got to want it. I'm looking for those who say no compromise. No compromise. Will you come? Come on, there's others. You need to make your way to this altar right now. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you would like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.